Each week, the Bible as Literature podcast brings you in-depth discussion of the biblical text in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult questions meant to keep you engaged. If you value this work, please consider donating as little as 25 cents per episode. That's just $1 per month. To learn more, please visit patreon.com forward slash Bible. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Bible. Thank you. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. Following the Old Testament's line, which sets Israel apart to demonstrate that Israel is no better, Matthew's condemnation of the scribes and Pharisees consolidates the Bible's rejection of exceptionalism. Where nations, religions, institutions, social groupings, and even families scramble to proclaim, become like us, resoundingly the biblical writers warn everyone, do not become like us. Richard and I discuss the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 13 to 15. You're listening to the Bible as literature. This is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 363 of the Bible as Literature podcast. This week we saw a mob transgress the Congress of the United States. They broke into the building. They vandalized property. They, in a truly American fashion, posted selfies on Facebook. (laughs) And unfortunately, five people ended up dying. And people looking at this were shocked and scandalized and trying to come up with different explanations for what's happening. But friends, there's only one explanation for what's happening. We're just like everybody else. We are not different than the rest of the world. We face the same challenges. And we're hanging on by a hair's breadth hoping that our legal system and a last-ditch effort by politicians and federal officials will help us dodge this bullet. And it looks hopeful that we will dodge this bullet and we will continue forward as a country. But the fact is, our safety nets are not impregnable. They're not going to always hold up unless we take a step back and understand where these people come from, why they're alienated, and how we failed them. That's the only path forward. We must humble ourselves before our enemies. And what you saw immediately afterward is a reflection of the Gospel of Matthew. You saw how power depends on self-righteousness in order to self-justify and save face. We used words like insurrection and treason, which are true. I'm not defending the mob. But we use those words because they feel good, because they allow us to expunge the shame and the embarrassment of what happened. But it is shameful and it is embarrassing. And simply punishing people, criticizing people, 
locking people away, whatever it is we're going to do to try to erase this event from our memory and our history, we'll never expunge the shame. This is exactly what the problem is. The good people of America distancing themselves from the bad people of America. As much as I dislike the current president, the president-elect came out with a statement, this is not who we are as Americans. He is completely wrong. This is precisely who we are as Americans. Are we saying these people are not Americans? Of course they're Americans. They have American passports. They were born in America. They're no less American than anyone else. You can't be more American than them. And if you look at the shots in the rotunda, you see a bunch of thugs carrying American flags in front of portraits of imperial conquerors standing before the weak indigenous people of this land, as they're depicted, at least. So this is not America. This is precisely America, that these people are upset and angry because they're mistreated. We are a country that continued slavery more than any other Western country, and we're better than other countries. But here's the problem. People all over the world want America to be exceptional. Immigrants come to this country because it's supposed to be different from other countries. As we try to keep up this image of exceptionalism, the context of Matthew 23 makes a lot of sense in this country because we perform our righteous acts and our righteous deeds in public so that we are seen as righteous so that we can receive our reward in this world. We want to conquer the kingdom of this world and are uninterested in being citizens of the kingdom. When you see flags saying Trump and Jesus, when you see insurrectionists setting up a cross before they take over the powers of government, this is the same as the Herodians who want to take over Jerusalem from the Romans. They're biding their time going along with the Romans so that eventually they can gain power. It's the same thing. It's interesting what you said about Biden, because the very statement, this is not who we are, is a philosophical statement. It's what we've been trying to say on this podcast for six years about functionality. What do you mean, who you are? There is no who. He can say this is not who you are while he's staring at a violent mob because the who is a philosophical construct. Identity is made up. Behavior is factual. It doesn't matter who you are because the who doesn't exist. The behavior exists. It's what you do that establishes function, how you operate. So for those specific people attacking the Capitol, they were functioning as a mob. That's it. As for the rest of the millions of people who live in this country, I have no clue who they are. And when you say who they are, you're making up a platonic concept. It's a fantasy. Try going into your class at the university and telling your professor, scholars say. Try telling Dr. Benton or myself, 
the church fathers say. What do you mean the church fathers say? Which father? It's the first lesson at seminary. Don't quote your platonic grouping to justify yourself. Now, politicians talk this way and it's not going to change, but we have to be smarter and understand what's going on because it is the people on the ground who carry the country on their backs. We have to wake up. We have to take care of one another. We have to hold each other to account for correct behavior. And it begins by canceling our own self-righteousness. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. When you self-justify, when you set up a matrix in which you speak even the words of God, you speak those words in order to protect your power, your position, your importance. You are standing between the one whom you are called to serve and the kingdom of God. You are shutting them out. You are standing and blocking their way on the path. You are functioning as a Satan. Earlier in Matthew, Peter was referred to as Satan because he blocked the Lord's path to the crucifixion. Here, in language that is reminiscent of Galatians, because the pillars shut the Gentiles out of the kingdom by flirting with them and then giving them the cold shoulder to get them to suck up to their power instead of God's authority. Here, the critique against the self-righteous, the hypocrite, the one who lives unrighteously but feels good condemning the mob. The sin of this one is they shut the mob out of the kingdom. Jesus is trying so hard to say, you know what? The kingdom first, and then sort the other stuff out later. The kingdom is the point. And the kingdom is likened to a wedding feast, where you're invited to just come and show up. There's the matter of the garment, but that's sorted out when you're at the feast. The Pharisees and the scribes are the ones who bind on heavy burdens to make it difficult to enter the kingdom. Now, you do what the scribes and Pharisees say, and so far it's consistent with Scripture, but the kingdom is open. Citizenship is being literally handed out. And when you have someone who inserts a bureaucracy to say, no, 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 sorry, you're going to have to fill out this form and then this form and then this form, and then you can apply for citizenship into this kingdom. No, no, it does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. You work and then you give the fruit. This is what it is. The king comes and collects his fruit. Does it say you have to produce a certain amount of fruit? It does not. It says you have to Present to him the fruit that is due to him. But it doesn't say how much or what kind of fruit. But whatever fruit you have, you give. This is it. Does it say how you have to show up to the wedding feast? No. You just have to show up. This is the difficulty because the Pharisees believe in their own propaganda and don't enter the kingdom. 
and therefore prevent other people from entering in because of these extensive forms of triplicate you have to sign and fill out before you can even consider entering the kingdom. Exceptionalism is not an American problem. It's a human problem. Every group believes they are exceptional. Every church believes you need them. Every religion believes you need them. That's how it works. The Pharisees are acting as though you need them, and as a result, what they are providing to you is their ego as a reference, and that's why you can't get in. Matthew is telling you, as you said, Rich, the kingdom is for free. Anybody is welcome, should they act according to its precepts. The Pharisees want you to think that even though they're saying we don't need the temple, we want to take the scroll out into the wilderness with the synagogue, deep down inside, they want to say you still need us and you still need the synagogue. And therefore, they're blocking people with themselves. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. When the American government met after the terrible, violent, ugly mob attack, I commented to my sister that it felt like watching a liturgy. They came back in, in order to conduct a liturgical service to calm everybody down and let them know they were still in charge. Lots of talk about desecration of the temple, how sacred the temple is, and the temple of our democracy. I mean, whenever politicians and seculars get nervous, they have to draw somehow in biblical imagery to calm everyone down. It's not even biblical anymore. I mean, they might as well be calling upon Hellenistic religions. They're trying to appeal to some classical idea of the sacred. It's a fake liturgy. It's sanctimonious. It's the kind of pomp and circumstance that the prophets ridicule. That kind of incense is a stench in the nostrils of the prophet Isaiah. Because for all of your fancy talk about democracy and this is so terrible, what are you doing for the widows? Hypocrisy. You can't erase hypocrisy. There's no government that isn't full of it. There's no church that isn't full of it. There's no anything made up of human beings that isn't hypocritical. But there is the Gospel of Matthew. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. And here, I want to hearken back to the philosophical who, not the band, <laughs> the statement of the president-elect. That's not who we are. The who we are that you imagine is your idol. It's your platonic form. And when you have this false who that you construct with your own human hands. It becomes the mechanism of your proselytization of others. So you go around the world telling everyone to truly become something. You have to become like us. You have to do things the way we do. 
You have to become who we are. It's the same mechanism that all of the different religions use, and it's anti-scriptural. For heaven's sake, Matthew is telling you, the writer of the gospel is telling you, do not become like us. That is what the writers of scripture are saying to the nations. Do not become like us. We are not the city upon the hill. The city upon the hill, the shining city, is the heavenly Zion. It's the Jerusalem above. If the city on the hill is Tel Aviv, or the earthly Jerusalem, or Washington, D.C., or Rome, or Cairo, then this is all a big joke. We're talking about God's city. And he does not have a who that we have to become in order to receive citizenship there. So why are you imposing your who? You have to unpack sanctimonious language because the way it works is it builds up your self-image at the expense of the poor. The only way that we're going to build relationships and connection with those people who are suffering emotionally, psychologically, physically, existentially even, the only way we're going to build a connection with that mob is if we begin to understand that we are no different and no better and we put our pants on the same way every morning. With one exception, we, for whatever reason, are in a better situation than they are and that is no credit to us, according to Scripture. The problem is the desire to establish credit. I mean, that's Phariseeism and Americanism. When Bill Gates uses billions of dollars in order to help fight against malaria in Africa, wonderful. But we have people in the United States whose health conditions and life expectancy are equivalent to Mozambique if you go to United States Indian Reservation. Where do they get help from? Americanism does not help them. Americanism really has never helped them. It's only hurt them. In fact, if you want to ask somebody what Americanism is, what America really is, go to a Native American reservation. Ask, what do you think Americanism is? What is America really like? Go to George Floyd Memorial Square in Minneapolis and ask people, what's America? What are Americans really like? You realize also that Hollywood literally spends hundreds of billions of dollars in order to create films specifically for export so that people learn about America and learn to love America. We export businesses and business models and capitalism and capitalistic models so that they can then become more like us. But you know who you might want to ask about that? Ask an average person in Libya. What was it like when America tried to make you like us? How did it work out for you? How about Iraq? Ask them. When we go and we make proselytes, how do we fare? Now, you can say, oh, well, that's politics. What about religion? Well, unfortunately, the two aren't very far apart. Where you find one, you tend to find the other empire and religion are right there next to each other. Christianity did it, Islam did it, Buddhism did it, now Hinduism is doing it. You use it in order to establish empire. Whichever religion you want, 
It's used in order to spread the power of your religion, to save face, in order to show everybody what they're supposed to be like, and they're not interested in sharing the kingdom in any case, but becoming more like us so that they can enter the kingdom. And as you've mentioned many times, Father, this is the problem that Peter had in Galatians. Peter wanted to make the Gentiles more like him so that they could enter the kingdom. And this is the sin of the American. This is the sin of the Christian who wants to make America a Christian nation, to have a revival in America, to make America orthodox, to make America come back to the true faith, whatever you want to call it. What you're doing is no longer saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're now saying be like us and you'll have a shot at the kingdom. But in fact, you're making him twofold more the child of hell than yourself. I love Michael Jordan, but if Michael Jordan were a story in the Bible... The commercial would say, don't be like Mike. (laughs) Thanks very much, Dr. Benton. Thank you, Father. You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.